Welcome back to this week's If I Only Knew. Listeners, I'm joined by co-host extraordinaire Matt. G'day, Matt. How are you? Hello, Fred. I'm doing very well, thanks. Matt, I wanted to do a quick uh, bite-sized episode today about something that is quite interesting and seems to be represented a lot by people in your generation, although not exclusively, and that's the concept of disruptive protest. Um, For those that aren't aware about Five weeks ago in Sydney, there was a coordinated process where people from an organisation called Act Up uh, created some civic chaos. One person rented a car, blocked the Sydney Harbour Tunnel during peak hour while people were going to work um, and uh, used a bike lock to lock their head to the steering wheel. Footage of it all around the internet and that person was receiving some very direct and quite violent uh, threats from people because they blocked the major thoroughfare of our city. At the same time, people had been welding themselves and gluing themselves to the Harbour Bridge, uh, or rather gluing themselves to the Harbour Bridge, welding themselves to rail lines and using climbing equipment to suspend themselves from bridges, particularly the bridges where the coal trains come through. Mm. And they, after their disruptive protest, were interviewed on television and the question was asked, why do it? The answer was to bring attention to the diabolical need for, you know, to act on climate change. And when they were asked how, there was deafening silence. Mm. So they wanted to bring attention to the issue and the backdrop of this is a federal election where climate change was an issue and it saw the change of government from one political power to another and to a lot of independents that ran on climate change as an issue. So it felt like they're a little bit late to the party. (laughs) Um, So apart from the idea of being a little tone deaf from a timing perspective, they were very passionate about their message but had no follow-on. There was nothing structured about why they were protesting. So it wasn't like we're protesting and we need to see a stop to coal exports to China, who are the major polluter, because dot, dot, dot. Right. The other element to this, which is really interesting, is their argument for disruptive protest. And what they spoke about was the idea that curated protest, where you put in an application which is approved and therefore protected by police and uh, often curated by police with street closures, etc., was an insufficient form of protest because it wasn't disrupting and bringing attention to the issues it was too easy to ignore Hmm. one of the things i found fascinating by this is that all the people that were put up and this is my opinion and i'm not disparaging them or defaming them in any way shape or form (laughs) seem to be really disaffected Hmm. people that would have otherwise considered to be on the fringes of society anyway And part of what I felt was that we were looking at a group of people that had been rallied behind a cause because they needed to come together with purpose behind something to find meaning. Mm, mm. So it could have been save the whales, save the trees, don't damn the river, um, uh, you know, free health care, free dental care. It could have been any cause of the day. It happened to be climate change because that's a really easing and compelling, socially acceptable cause at the moment. But they were going to extremes because they were easily manipulated because they were disaffected. So 
you know, during COVID, we had probably one of the biggest social movements, I think, that I've seen in my time, which was Black Lives Matters marches, mm. brought a lot of awareness around the world to um, the Indigenous plight in Australia and the plight of Indigenous communities and African-American people in America. It was a curated protest. Mm. It was peaceful. It caused disruption, but minimal disruption that was catered to by emergency services. No one got hurt. Mm, mm. When you weld yourself, and I saw one example of ACT UP where they had welded themselves to a pole, and that pole was welded to a steel line, and the steel line was anchored on the other side of a rail line so that if a coal train went through, it would literally rip the person off their perch on a pole Mm. most likely causing them serious injury, if not death. Mm. I sort of think that that form of disruptive protest isn't meeting the needs that the protesters or that the, the message needs. Maybe the protesters mm. have a different need. So I wanted to get your take on this because most of these people are your age or younger and I'm seeing them as a group of vulnerable people that are being used. I think that's the point I'm making. Yeah, right. Is there any truth to that? Do you think that... Any protest is good protest. Talk to me about your yeah. generation's perspective on this. I think this is a super thorny one, Fred, and I'm very glad that we're chatting about it because it's something that you hear all the time when people are protesting, especially young people. I think there's probably two kind of discussions here. One about the idea of disruptive protest in general, like the theory behind it, if you like, and then maybe some discussion about this particular protest and the way it worked. Um, I'll start talking about this particular example. And it seems to me that those are some very extreme actions. I think that there's a sense in which, for me, the, the notion of actionability and the, 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 the spectre of climate change makes something like this protest a little bit more difficult. So I think I have a little bit more support for disruptive protests that might involve chaining yourself to a set of trees in a deforestation plant that's going to be cut down because you're saying I will not have these trees cut down because it's destructive to this environment or whatever, or they should never have been approved for this project, et cetera, et cetera. And to me, there's a very clear and present reason why you're putting yourself in, in that danger. You're disrupting the logging efforts because you're trying to stop this project. Similarly, there was some quite disruptive um, protests around the opening of the Adani coal mine that have been kind of seeking to stop development projects there, stop trucks getting into the area, that kind of thing. For me, that seems like a very clear and present issue that people are putting their lives on the line to try and stop. Now, is it good or bad? I think I won't go there just yet, but I think I have a lot more of a sense of the kind of direct role that disruptive protest can play when it is so specifically targeted towards certain objectives and goals. I feel like awareness raising for something as broad as climate change doesn't sound like the kind of thing that I think disruptive protest is as valuable for. Because I think that really what you're doing is you're just pissing off every single person whose night you've slowed down. You're not really getting them on side with your course. There's nothing really sympathetic about putting yourself over a coal line or whatever, um, I don't think. So I'm not sure that you're necessarily actually furthering the kind of awareness raising that you want to be doing. Now, what you're probably showing is that there are some people in our community who are willing to put themselves in danger, who are willing to go to great lengths for the sake of a cause. And maybe that's a place to start with awareness raising. But I think that we're kind of past that for a lot of climate action myself. And so I actually am not sure how this specific example of raising awareness for climate change through disruptive protests 
could have been seen as all that constructive to the cause. I don't know all the details about this protest. In fact, this is the first I've heard of a friend, so perhaps I'm wrong, but it seems to me that more that more general awareness raising is done best by large-scale non-disruptive protest, whereas some of the more specific and direct kind of actions might involve more um, disruptive protest. It's kind of my, my sense about this specific example. Do you have any thoughts about that before I talk about disruptive protest in general? I hadn't thought about the example of something like the Adani coal mine where people, and, and there are examples of people taking very direct action, chaining themselves to bulldozers, et cetera, to save um, certain things. Yeah. And I'll tell you a story about disruptive protest. It's a mm. small one, but it's something that just occurred to me. Many, many mm. years ago, my father had a small business. He had it for 60 years. Mm. And he arrived at work one morning to find the council removing the parking signs in front of the building. Right. And so as a result of that, he asked them what they were doing. And they said they were putting in a wide nature strip and removing the parking on the street. Right. There's about 12 spots on the street. And, and uh, my father correctly said, that's the lifeblood of this strip of shops. You remove the parking, you remove the capacity for people to pull up, park their mm. car, get their stuff. You'll kill the butcher, the baker you know, the fruit shop, the chemist, et cetera. When the council said, look, it's beyond our pay grade, my father got the truck, which is quite a large truck, and blocked the road. Right, yeah. So very specifically about his shop yeah. right here. Which yeah. blocked access to uh, West Road Rail Station, which is a pretty reasonable station in, um, right. in that part of the world. Police attended and he was threatened to be arrested uh, he made sure they'd called the local paper. The local member of parliament was called. The council right. was called down. Police were threatening to to arrest him. It was publicised. I'm not making this story up. Mm. And uh, and he was there taunting police in the hope they would arrest him on mm. refusal of moving that truck. Mm. Mm. The council relented, wow. back the parking signs then and there agreed to consult with the shop owners and they put a very small nature strip in the size of a, you know, 10 centimetre concrete rail because they wanted stopping people doing illegal U-turns at a certain point. Right. And the shop owners got what they wanted and it was immediate action. It was civil unrest. It was mm. disruptive protest. It was blocking a road. Yeah. So I must reflect on that and say, when I saw these people blocking the harbour tunnel, I thought, you poor manipulated soul mm. and then I realized they felt the same way about that that my dad felt about 12 car spots so I didn't yes. intend to talk about that story in this podcast Matt but it just occurred to me that I come from we used to, <laughs> we used to joke about it and call it was the West Ride stockade it was a bit like oh the my stockade, right? <laughs> and here's my dad the the original disruptive protester mm. and I'm looking mm. at it now saying people are easily manipulated mm. I think the difference though is that it was a single issue it was immediate yeah. Exactly. Um, and if somebody said to me right now, they were about to pull down, I I'll give you a good example. When they blew up tunnels that had relics from 600 or 60,000 oh, right. years ago, if somebody had said to me, we're going to organize a protest, we're going to be there because they cannot blow those tunnels up if enough people are standing in front of them, hmm. then I would have seen that as a really, really smart way of buying time. Yes, exactly. I think the idea of after the first round of a climate change battle had been done, manipulating people to disruptive protest, which created, I believe, real danger for them, mm -hmm. danger of bodily harm, um, assault, mm -hmm. not, in, not including the psychological danger. The people that participated, 
I believe were vulnerable and manipulated. And I believe the people driving the movement, mm. I question the purity of their motives. Mm. Very interesting. Cause I think, I think that draws a very good um, example for what I'm thinking of about direct action and disruptive action, needing to have a very specific goal and need to have something very clear to kind of make it um, something sympathetic, something that people can get behind. Because I think if if all those people driving had heard a similar story about a whole bunch of things that just needed one more day to be protected so that we could do something about it, then I suspect most of their anger would have been diffused. They're saying, yeah. oh, look, I'm annoyed that I've had I've got home an hour later, but something was actually done with my uh, delayed time or whatever. Yeah. And so I think that this notion of having something, a direct and clear present goal um, is actually quite important to disrupting people's lives. I think the notion of manipulation is a very interesting one. I think there are so many young people who are desperate for purpose, desperate for something to believe in, desperate for for a goal. Um, and, and and I suppose that that is across our world a a human desire that has always been taken advantage of, right? Like the 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 effort to get people to buy into something is quintessential to nationalism. It's quintessential to war. It's a big part of what what gets people bought into big projects and big plans. I think that the only extent to which I, I think I might agree with your notion of manipulation is the is the encouraging of people to put themselves at such physical risk in this mm. case, right? Like I think I think it's it's probably fair to say that a lot of these people are perfectly and independently bought in to the notion of climate change, the notion of the importance of an action, so the fear that it encourages yeah. in them and that kind of thing. But given the discussion we've just had about the role that we think direct goals play in disruptive action, I think the fact that that sense of commitment to climate change has been pushed into disruptive protest that endangers them does seem a little bit less um, comfortable for me than, than it might yeah. be. The organisation that we're talking about also made the news when New South Wales Police found their base of operations, which is in a regional area in New South Wales, mm. and they were on the property and confronted by members of this group who subsequently ended up being arrested. Mm. Now, there's really huge conjecture about the actions of New South Wales Police mm. because your capacity to be on private property investigating has rules around it, right? Yes, yes. In the immortal words of Tony Soprano to his non-English speaking housekeeper, warrant, how many times have I told you? <laughs> warrant. <laughs> So these people were confronted on private property. They were unmarked police people in plain clothes. And as a result of that, seven people got arrested. Mm -hmm. Now, part of me says, well, they were, and, and police confiscated a whole range of equipment that they would use to literally weld themselves yeah. to. Right? Yeah. So there's a, a particular brace that they can put their hand in, wrap it around a bridge and super glue yourself into. Right. Um, I'm committed to a lot of stuff, but there's no part of my body I want to super glue to anything. I'm just going to put that out there in case people are wondering. It's the difference between me and those easily manipulated because I will never be manipulated to super glue any part of my body to anything. Mm, okay. That's a promise. That's a promise, people. You heard it here first. But the question is are police allowed to act to preempt an illegal action? Mm, now, that's really contentious. I'm not of the belief that um, the rules can be suspended 
because yeah. the cause is good unless laws are written around that. We do have anti-terror laws. They're quite yeah. controversial, but they seem to be doing the trick because we haven't had a lot of those incidents and people are pulled up very often yeah. before those things happen because of the powers that police have mm. to monitor suspicious activity. Mm. In this instance, I think part of the issue, part of the absence of an outcry about the actions of police is because the outcome of the disruptive protest is really, really, really tone deaf at the moment. Mm, mm. It's a big global issue. We've had, you know, change from the government. If that was taking away the parking in front of a small business and that went on to the news, I think a lot of people would go, I would do what that guy did if that yeah. was my business. Yeah. So in that regard, I think my sort of, even in this podcast, my opinions change a little bit mm -hmm. when I think about my dad's actions. But something I've learned from what you said is if disruptive protest is to work, it's got to be about an immediate and mm. palpable change that can be made. Like we're blocking the gates to a farm to stop cruelty to an animal. Yeah, I think most people kind of go, you know what, I'd, I might do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important at the moment that we're discussing this because in England last year, I think they actually introduced a whole slew of very strict anti-protest laws that, in my opinion, really impinged upon the notion of the right to protest. And, and so I really think that we, while we've critiqued some of this disruptive protest um, uh, dialogue here, I do think there's a place for it, for sure. I know there's a place for you know, free and unimpinged protest because the moment you start putting barriers on protest, and I do accept this idea, the moment you start putting barriers on protest, the moment it's no longer kind of disruptive to power, the that, that's when it starts no longer actually serving the purpose yeah. that perhaps protest is meant to serve. And so I think this is a really worthy discussion right now because the whole notion of protest, the notion of protest is kind of disruptive. I think it's meant to, in some ways, challenge embedded power. And I think in the modern world, we're seeing many, many... Um, efforts across the Western world to undermine that disruptive opportunity. And I think for young people, what I see personally is I see your generation, Fred, maybe even people slightly older than you, who had the opportunity to be the most kind of ground-shaking social changes, to go out there and do really big and important protests that we look back on Stonewall or Vietnam conscription, that kind of stuff. Um, and that feels like that's now being taken away as, as an opportunity in some places for us to go out there and protest perhaps things that will be really important to us in the future. So in terms, that's kind of my thoughts about the notion of protest in general, rather than the specific example that you've given, is that I'm a lot more sympathetic to having very limited laws around anti-protest, right? Like I don't think people should be um, punished all that much more severely for disruptive protest or all that much more... Um, uh, complex like surveillance or whatever because that's stuff that I'm seeing in other places and in Australia a little bit and I think that kind of there's, there's almost a generational element here where I feel like older generations are now clamping down on young people doing the things that they did when they were young. I, and, and I think in that regard I, I would have to support everything you're saying. One of the things I think about when I think about protest is um, the Russian populace protesting a totalitarian regime at the start of this illegal invasion of the Ukraine. That's right, yeah. And how that's not just protest, but that's taking your life into your own hands. Mm. You you could comfortably say that there is a real chance that those people wouldn't survive yeah. their yeah. civic unrest. 
in Australia, I believe the right to protest. Sorry, we don't have a right to protest and we don't have a right to free speech here because we don't have a Bill of Rights. <laughs> but the, the issue in Australia is the capacity to protest in lots of forms has been really powerful. Um, you know, we wouldn't have dust diseases laws had we not, um, people like Bernie Banton and the unions not taken on massive corporations that were intentionally killing people and knew that they were by making them work with asbestos many, many years ago. Mm. I'm not quite old enough, uh, despite uh, what you said there and about, you know, anti-conscription <laughs> protests in Vietnam. But if we think about the big and unsafe protests, it was things like civil rights. It was things like the Vietnam War. Um, and I don't want to live in an environment where you can't protest because I think ultimately, um, there will always be something where the community has a right to challenge polit politicians that represent them to get it right. Mm -hmm. And part of the big ones would be things like marriage equality. Um, mm, there were yeah. many, many, many protests. And whilst I think that disruptive protest can be counterintuitive, and, and I believe cooperative protest can be really effective, and the example of that is Black Lives Matters marches, mm -hmm. where everybody was aware of what was going on and people didn't need to, there were no arrests made. Mm. It was probably one of the biggest, loudest protests heard around the world. I believe it made real change. Um, I hope it did. We'll see generations to come. So, but I think the moment that the issue is lost because of the action. Yeah. Um, I also would believe that there's already laws in place. So for people welding themselves to a pole, I think there's a law around that already. I don't think you need an anti-protest law. So I would protest any laws that ban protest, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Okay? yeah. But I also think that there's some intelligence in using the system to your advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And thinking about how to get a message across rather than, and I'm going to call some of the stuff I've seen, particularly blocking the Harbour Tunnel, mm. with no indication of why, mm. as a stunt rather yeah, than right. a protest. Mm, mm. It might have been a stunt that allowed people to get on TV to discuss the issue, in which right. case they would say it was effective. Um, but the lack of a clear message past that point meant it was a stunt that didn't deliver a result except to make people look like they were fragile, frail, easily manipulated and sent there to take a bullet for someone else. Perfect, yeah. yeah. So, guys, this is a really good one to get your feedback on. Matt and I really do like the comments that we get and the rates and the reviews that come through for this podcast. Um, they're not all kind. And I appreciate that all the unkind ones are directed at me. And thank you for that. Of course. Um, I, I, I do go to sleep at night worrying about your comments. <laughs> um, Matt, however, gets nothing but glowing feedback. And I know that uh, he loves to see those five-star ratings built mm. basically on the quality of his uh, audio voice. So keep them coming. Like and subscribe. Matt, I'm sure I'll see you next week. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks very much for it when we come back to discuss more of If I Only Knew. Wonderful. See ya. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is the podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can 
through 000 or lifeline 131114. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bad Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.